from the sports desk of the Lubbock Avalanche Journal and RedRaiders.com. Here's your look at all things Texas Tech sports. Now, here's the Red Raider Podcast. Once again, took us four minutes. Apologies, folks, but uh, Don and I are here on Twitter Spaces again. Carlos Silva, the sports editor here at the Lubbock Avalanche Journal. Don Williams, longtime Texas Tech football beat writer for the Lubbock Avalanche Journal, has covered Texas Tech football for as long as I've been alive, which is about, what, 37 years, if I'm not mistaken, Don? I think this is like year 36 for me. Since so 36, 36 years, and uh, certainly a lot of things to talk about. We'll start with spring, and then if some other people have some questions, we can certainly do our best to go through the Twitter replies and things like that. We'll try and answer those questions, or if people want to – provide their thoughts and comments as to how they feel Texas Tech football will kind of do this year. We'll make this hopefully about a 30-minute conversation between you and I. and Hopefully we'll do this every Wednesday uh, once the football season starts, but kind of wanted to get this one out of the way just so we can kind of figure out some technological issues, but I think we did. So overall, Don, like I said, in covering Texas Tech for about 35-plus years, certainly a lot of uh, fanfare going into this one. I know the previous coach, Matt Wells, it seemed like people were just happy just to get a new coach in, but uh, you know, for whatever reason, I know we reported Dana Holgerson and everyone wanted him. And then all of a sudden it just seemed like he didn't get a fair shake COVID. And then just to kind of fast forward to here, uh, Matt Wells had a winning record. He was let go middle of the season and that allowed Texas tech to get Joey McGuire. And since then the train has been rolling. Do you want to kind of fill in a little bit of what else has kind of gone on with Texas tech football since, since then, because I think I probably tried to do as much as I could to summarize a very, very long period of time here. Well, obviously, he uh, he's captivated everybody with his energy and with his enthusiasm, and obviously with, with his recruiting. Haven't looked, uh, haven't looked in the last week or so, but um, you know, got a lot of attention here back in the spring when he had Texas Tech when Texas Tech had twenty commitments right off the you know very early. Yeah. And that was twice as many as anybody else in the nation had. And at one point, he got him to a number one on one of the recruiting service rankings and number two on another recruiting service ranking. And I think they'll kind of come back to the little, come back to the pack a little bit on that when other teams' classes start to f- flesh out and fill up a little bit more. But um, you know, the the uh, the enthusiasm and the unity that he brought to the program, I think, is uh, something that's really encouraged a lot of folks and has people uh, really, really can't wait until September the 3rd gets here to kick it off against Murray State. And uh, tomorrow's rep- tomorrow's uh, officially the reporting day and uh, Friday first practice, which is it's kind of interesting this year because they're going to go back to having uh, a lot of morning practices, uh, which is fun, fun thing fun for fun sports writers, right? <laughs> it's okay with me. Start start the day by uh, doing some post practice interviews, and then have all day to write. Absolutely. So I guess with that in mind, Don, you did a a really good job before you kind of went on vacation. Do some positional breakdowns. Certainly, we'll go through at least a couple of them. If people have any questions, we can certainly try and add them on, and they can add ask their own type of questions here. Again, this is kind of the first Twitter space we've done, so we're still kind of learning the technology plus what we can do here or try and answer questions this is essentially going to be a live podcast as we would do so this does record on twitter so i will be putting this on our podcast which will go to apple podcasts and kind of all your favorite podcast listening 
uh, places, whether that's Slack or anything else. So if you do miss this, we will have this recorded and we will put it on the podcast and you can re-listen to this, including all the four minutes of me and Don trying to figure out how to use technology. But now that we are here, we're going to talk about things that we do know. And that's Texas Tech football, Don. And I think uh, I would be remiss to not start with quarterback where Joey McGuire was very, very insistent about saying that he wanted to try and figure out his quarterback at the end of spring, but that did not happen. And I guess if you want to fill in the blanks as to why why that did not happen. Well, it's, it's kind of interesting. You know, he says it's still a, still a race, and, and I think it is, although the people that I've talked to and people who saw practice in the spring, I haven't heard anybody who told me anything different than Tyler Shuck is the guy. In fact, I talked to a former college football coach who old who uh uh you know former college football coach who had seen them all and so he thought Tyshuk was in his words quote the best by far and so i'll be still be surprised if it, it i'll be shocked if it's not shuck uh on opening night and i think as long as he stays healthy i think he'll be the guy now joey did say um you know this summer that uh if you have donald smith who's 6'5 245 and can run he said it doesn't make sense not to have packages where you have where you have him in there, and so he's committed that uh, Donovan Smith, out of all those guys, is definitely going to play. Um, and I think I think this thing is is going to wrap up fairly early in camp because he said that he wants to name the starter two weeks before game week which means we're talking about august roughly august 15th or so there in that in that range uh we're basically talking about you know nearly three weeks before the first game so um so i I think that's kind of where it stands but it's you know it's a real i think it's a great situation for tech because you have three three guys who are all really capable i mean shuck who's shown it uh at Oregon and then here last year and then Donovan Smith who showed it in the Iowa State game and the Mississippi State game and then Baron Morton, you know, you hear good things about him coming out of practice as well. And, you know, Shuck, Shuck has gotten knocked, uh, you know, for, for, for some judgment things and a lot of people have harped on what he did in the spring game with a pick six and whatnot. But I think one of the things you got to understand is, you know, the coaches – the coaches also uh, have 14 other practices that they look at, and those are evaluated just as carefully. And those 14, uh, what they do in those 14, which people don't see, is you know just as important as what, what they do in the spring game. So certainly we saw Donovan Smith last year and the way that he played down the stretch, and including getting a win for the Liberty Bowl. We know why he's good. Tyler Suck obviously had the – credentials could be a top pick assuming he plays well or at least that was the the storyline going into last year before he did injure himself and then of course Baron Morton is kind of the heir apparent at some point from Eastland um from your perspective as you just kind of alluded to Don obviously Tyler Shuck is likely the number one starter do you kind of feel like this might be one of the top tier I don't know if top tier maybe one of the top quarterback rooms that Texas Tech has had in a while and the only reason I ask is because you've obviously kind of covered this team for a while and maybe there are some other ones that it kind of mimics in terms of what you have or I guess if you could just kind of maybe take me through what the quarterback room is here compared to maybe years past and what Joey McGuire has to work with. Uh, you know, it's a good question. I haven't really gone back and looked, you know, what, what the quarterback situation was in 20. 20- 15 or 2003 or 
Although now that I mentioned it, I mean, you know, there were there were years where you had B.J. Simmons waiting to play when Cliff Kingsbury was a starter. That was a pretty good quarterback, right? Um, so uh, uh, I, off the top of my head, I mean, I'm not sure exactly how to how it rates as far as quarterback rooms take his head over the last 35 years, though. But I would say this. I mean, it's certainly it's a it's a really good one. Um, and out of those three guys your quarterback situation should be the least of your concerns, one of the least of your concerns. And whoever is out there, uh, really all 12 Saturdays this season, is going to be a guy who will put give you a chance to win, solid chance to win. On that note, it looks like we've got someone requesting to speak. It looks like Sam Mueller. I apologize if I said your name incorrectly. I'm going to add you as a speaker. Please feel free to ask your question, Sam. I guess you and I will chat for a little bit as he connects. It shows connecting here, Don. But like you said, uh, quarterback's certainly going to be one that you don't really look and expect to have any problems with with the depth at the position that you have. But what are some other positions that you're kind of looking at in terms of what could be weakness? I don't know if weakness is the right, right term, but just uh, maybe a position where if an injury happens here, you're in a little bit of trouble, at least from my perspective, offensive line and defensive line could probably be those two, but maybe well, you have a different perspective than me. I'd, I'd say offensive line. Yes. And I'd say linebackers, the other, because linebacker really, uh, your, your circle of guys, there's is, is four players. You have Krishan Merriweather backed by Jacob Rodriguez in the middle. And you have Dimitri Moore backed by Kosai Eldridge at the, on the weak side. And it's really those four guys. And, you know, in talking to Joey McGuire this summer, I, th- I think there's kind of a delineation between those four and, and, and anybody else. So it's going to be imperative, I think, that uh, those four guys stay healthy. And, you know, one of those four guys, Kosai Eldridge, has had significant injury problems. And, and Dimitri Moore, you know, really has missed uh, about half the time the last two seasons. So that's kind of a little bit tenuous position now joy said that he is uh he feels completely he, he says he's not concerned about that position group i asked you know i asked with it with schooler gone with jeffers gone morgan stern brandon boyer randall's out how much of a concern is that and he said none he said emphatically he, you know he likes those guys but again they're gonna they need to stay healthy because the depth is real uh slim kind of slim i think behind those guys and then the offensive line, you know, you've got uh, one of the things about the offensive line is you got two of the, the two transfers in. Cole Spencer from Western Kentucky that started 44 games, and Cade, Cade Briggs from New Mexico started 17 games, but he didn't have them in the spring because they were both recovering from some surgical stuff. So now you go into the into the in camp. And you got Spencer penciled in as the starter at left guard. Yeah. And you have Kate Briggs. You know, he wasn't able to earn that starting position in the spring because he wasn't on the field uh, with the team. And so that, that kind of opened the door and kind of surprised the guy then was Dennis Wilburn, the walk-on transfer from Hutch Community College. And, you know, Joyce said he uh, it really is enthusiastic about him. So those two guys are going to be battling. You know, we asked – well, what is it about Dennis Wilburn that allowed him to be, you know, the first team guy center? And he said he's tough. He's, you know, really tough. And he said going against the nose guards that you're going to have to face in this conference, um, you get, that's something that's imperative that you got to have. And said so he has that 
And so beyond that, he said his, his care factor is really high. So um, we'll see if he can uh, if he can uh, continue to be that guy in the fall and and actually open as his center uh, uh, to begin the season, or if uh, Briggs is able to displace him once they get going. And then you know the other position, I think uh, I think one of your good position battles is going to be a right tackle, where you have Monroe Mills was the guy there in the spring, and now. Todd Cannon got here in the summer, and they like what he has shown early. And so that's going to be a, a real battle at right tackle between Mills and Buchanan. Well, now with that in mind, I think I figured this out. It, I'm going to see if I can get Sam to speak now. I believe I unmuted you, or maybe I muted you. I apologize. Let's see here. Sam, are you able to talk, or will it allow you to unmute hey, you? Can y'all hear me? Hey, there you go. Uh, there you go. Hey, um, hey pre- appreciate you. Yeah, so, we're, we, I mean, it's pretty – everyone's all saying that Chuck is the guy coming out of camp, but how long is his string going to be if he's not up to par? I mean, you know, we got four – I mean, out of those first four games, we're only about guaranteed one win with Murray State. U of H is a toss-up. Uh, Texas is a toss-up, and NC State in week three is going to be a toss-up as well. I mean, so if, he, if we go one and three in those games, what is our quarterback situation looking like at that point? Well, it depends. It depends on if you go one and three in those games. Who, who was the uh, what? What part of the team was responsible for the three losses? I mean, if you, obviously, if you if you lose fifty-five to forty-nine, and that's probably not on the quarterback. It's probably on your defense. Um, there seems this expectation, I think, among people that Tyler Shuck is going to fail and he's going to be pulled real quick. But I don't, I don't know that that's necessarily what you're, what you're going to see. Now, with that said, though, if it, if he doesn't look good, uh, then yeah, I, I don't think the leash will be very long because you have a guy in Donovan Smith who's come off two impressive victories last year, and they won't hesitate to put him out there. Yeah, I, I agree with that. But, and then, um, also, how much pressure is on Joey McGuire now in year one? I mean, fans are definitely expecting – I think, you know, tech fans being as the way they are, they're expecting more wins than we should be. I'd be happy with six, but I think people are expecting eight wins off the bat. But a really tough schedule this year. I think that's just kind of unrealistic, and that might be putting unnecessary pressure on a first-year head coach. I don't think there's going to be a whole lot of pressure just because all uh, in year one, I don't think there will be a whole lot of pressure just because of all the goodwill that he's built up. I think people are really rooting for him. People are really behind him and people are really excited about how he's connected with the fans. So I think they're going to cut him a bunch of slack, but, um, uh, and, well, and, and here's the other thing, even though they won seven last year, I think their expectations, you know, my, my sense from people I've talked to is most people feel like this is, kind of about a six win team. Honestly, I haven't heard anybody tell me that they think that they think there should be an eight win team. So I feel like as long as you're uh, being competitive every Saturday, uh, which for the most part you should be, I think people are willing to, uh, uh, I don't want to say give him a pass for the first year, but I think people are going to, you know, kind of give him the benefit of the doubt the first year. Well, just on that note, Don, I got a longtime buddy of mine, Sam Conyer from The Athletic. I'd like to get his perspective on that. I know you spoke to Joey uh, earlier this summer, Sam. I guess in terms of what maybe from a national perspective people are expecting from Joey McGuire, certainly home run higher I think would be a fair assessment as to how the national media treated it and just the way that he's kind of been able to 
get the word out on Texas Tech, I guess, what, what are your uh, early assessments as as uh, someone that has spoken to Joey and just kind of mm-hmm. uh, understanding what he's going to be able to do in his first year here at Texas Tech? Yeah, I think – I think the expectations from the fan base are high because I, I, I think as Don, you know, noted just the recruiting, the energy that he's brought and the recruiting success that he's had brings that kind of energy. And I think it's natural for fans for that to want to carry over to instant results. But you look at the schedule, the schedule is tough. Uh, when you got, you know, obviously Houston, you know, coming off 12 and 2 season, you know, NC State is, I know, in some of the way too early rankings are in the top 10 in, in some of those. So, so that's two tough ones early, and you open with Texas, which of course dropped seventy on them last year. So it's that first month of the season is going to tell us a lot. But I, I, I think, I think it's it's it, fans are going to probably have to be patient to a degree because they could improve as a team and it, not have it show up in the win loss record, in my opinion, because of the schedule. I, 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 oh, I, I don't agree. know how y'all feel about that, but I, I feel like it's possible. They could be better. They could end up being a six and six team, but still look better than they did at Prime Flash. Oh no, I agree, and I think just to kind of go to Don's point, just with all the transfers, I think where where you see they got transfers and put them and insert them into voids, if you will, where they lost guys like an Eric Azukanma, or you were trying to get a veteran guy at the wide receiver spot. Now you're really really young, minus a Miles Price and some of the other you know up and coming guys like a JJ Sparkman or Loic Fungi. I think. You have the talent. It's just can you grow up really quick? And not only that, but then hey, you got a game against NC State on the road. So I think that, that there's a palpable sense of you know we can do something really special here for Texas Tech, at least inside the locker room. In terms of the fans, I think the fans are going to fan, as Sam kind of alluded to, uh, Sam Mueller, pardon me, uh, alluded to earlier. But I think uh, just the fact that there's an excitement factor, I think, just helps a little bit in terms of the fan base because I think. And you can correct me if I'm wrong, Don, but this has been something that hasn't been here for, what, four or five years? Maybe the first year Cliff was here in terms of just the fanfare that Joey McGuire's brought? Yeah, because people weren't fired up, obviously, about Matt Wells from the beginning, and they weren't fired up for about Cliff uh, for the last, out of those six years, how many? Three or four? So, yeah, definitely a change from, I would say, the last six or seven years anyway. Don, I have a quick question for you. I, I'm curious from your perspective because you've obviously covered this program for a long, long time. The support that they're getting, that this this football program is getting from a from a financial standpoint, administration, donors. You know, we see obviously the announcement they had with the facilities renovations that are coming up, and the money that Dusty Wamble and Cody Campbell poured into the program, the NIL deals, all that stuff. Is that is that unprecedented? Is that level of administrative support unprecedented in protect football historically? And if so, what has triggered this latest flush of money into the program? Um, I wouldn't say it's unprecedented because I mean you're talking about a athletic department that's fundraised, she's close to half a billion dollars over the last ten years, um, because. I mean, they started the campaign for Fearless Champions, I want to say, in 2014. And that was to fund 25 sports projects, pretty much facilities projects for the most part. I mean, you privately funded $48 million for the Sports Performance Center, $32 million for the Womble Basketball Center. 
nine and a half million dollars for the Ed Whitaker Center, which is the athletic administration, you know, five and a half million dollars for the Cash Family Nutrition Center. Um, and there's others I'm forgetting leaving out. That's just off the top of my head. There's a, there's a big misconception that tech, uh, even among its fans, there's a big misconception that, that this is just two, two wealthy, uh, guys and, you know, Cody Campbell and, and John Sellers is a business partner that, that they're all the reason for this. And, and Dusty Womble, there's three guys, kind of three guys who, get a lot of the credit publicly, but there's a, there's a real big base of support, um, um, among, among other donors. I mean, they said that, you know, there's close to a thousand people who have contributed to, uh, this Matador club initiative. Uh, you know, they announced that a couple of weeks ago where every football, everybody, all, you know, a hundred football players are getting $25,000 contracts for us close to a thousand people that contributed to that i mean you know it's more than and I, and I don't want to disparage obviously cody campbell and dusty Womble who have made those big donors but i think there's some who have made those big donations but i think there's you know several other uh gentlemen who have made uh seven figure eight figure donations that uh, just haven't been announced publicly. Their names haven't been announced publicly. So there's a big base of support. And I, and I said this all the way back to before name, image, like when name, image, and likeness was just being talked about, but had not even been uh, put into place yet. I said all along, I've written this, that Tech is in a, a great position because of all the wealthy donors they have. Yeah, that's that's good to know. Yeah, because obviously, like you said, the those two have gotten a lot of attention and obviously the latest push uh, for, for football has, has garnered a lot of publicity, but that, that's why I was curious because I haven't followed it as closely historically to know just the ins and outs of the donor base and, and how, how well they support, obviously, you know, the tech football has got a pretty rich history, but that's, that's good to know just from. Well, well, I, and I would say this, though, I think obviously the, with conference, with conference realignment and NIL and, and uh, the fact that the program, this has been a bad decade of football around here. I think that really motivated people to either, you know, step up financially and facilities wise or, or you know, or risk being left behind in some form or fashion. Yeah, and when you look at what they've done, Don, uh, with the Southeast End Zone Project and obviously the Womble football uh, training uh, facility as well, there's a lot more going on for Texas Tech. Uh, I believe, if I'm not mistaken, after the Oklahoma game, that's when they're going to start construction on the Southeast End Zone Project. I don't know if you want to go into some details as to what that could be, but, I mean, just the fact that you're going to have, I believe it's four levels, uh, the first one being like a recruiting kind of coming out uh, the, the best way I can describe it, maybe you can describe it better, but is the way the Dallas Cowboys come come out, the players will come out and you have the fans on each side of the players. To where yeah, it's it like, of, hey, go ahead. Well, it kind of reminds me, they're, they're going to come out in the middle of the south end zone, which kind of reminds me of how, uh, I guess, Arkansas players come out of their tunnel. It's kind of, they, they come out of the middle of, of the end zone. And, and Texas, they said they're going to have like fans on each side of them. Um and so, yeah, yeah, four levels. So you're going to have, you know, additional suites and uh, coaches' offices. Yep. Coaches' offices. Joe, Joey McGuire's coach's office is going to be tentatively, looks like right now, going to be in the southeast corner. 
And also, uh, this is kind of interesting. They're they're flip flopping the home locker rooms. You're going to have um, uh, Tech has always had the locker room in the southwest corner. Yep. And the visitors have always had the locker room in the southeast corner. Now Tech's lock, home locker room this year is going to be southeast corner. And the visitors' locker room this year, or I said, hang on, pardon me, not this year. When when the new building is in place, so not before next year. Mm-hmm. But Tech's locker room is going to move to the southeast corner and where the visitors have been. And the visitors' locker room is either going to be southwest corner or northeast corner. Which So the visitors, in other words, are going to be either where the Red Raiders used to be or in that northeast corner of the stadium where, uh, you know, the fourth and university corner of the stadium. Which, which certainly mm-hmm. is very interesting, and there's a lot of things that are going on. I, I guess it seems like you're getting a little bit of messages here because you're a busy man, Don. But um, I guess just to kind of almost wrap this up, we've, we're at about 628. Like I said, I wanted to make this about a 30-minute uh, conversation between you and I and anyone else that joined. Appreciate Sam Khan joining, uh, kind of providing his perspective from a national national eye. And then Sam uh, Mueller providing his questions. Like I said, this is a new or live conversation with some fans to where we can get our voices out, let you know that we are people. You can ask your questions to us. Maybe it turns into a nice little Q&A at some point. But right now, we were just looking to kind of talk a little bit about Texas Tech football. And like you said, first day of reporting is tomorrow, Don. Media day is tomorrow. And then first day of practice is Friday. Not a loaded question. It probably is. What are you looking forward to Friday? Or what are you expecting Friday? Or what are you kind of expecting for Texas Tech going into the fall? You're talking to me and Sis Sam, correct? Uh, I am talking to you, Mr. Williams. <laughs> uh, let's see. Uh, well, I guess you know some of the stuff I'll be uh, interested to see early. Uh, uh, you know, there's uh, the I'll be kind of interested in how some of the strengths play out. Uh, we talked about some of the question marks, but uh, you know, the secondary secondary is probably your most experienced part part of the team. You got. Adrian Fry is the first team guy at the field corner, and Rashad Williams, first team guy at boundary corner. And, you know, they signed Keon Blankenbaker this summer, a transfer from Wyoming, and he's come in and he's already the second team guy, projected a second team guy behind Marquise Waters at that star spot and, and behind Reggie Pearson at the boundary safety. You know, it's going to be interesting to see how Reggie handle. He's playing a little different safety position than he played last year that they feel like will uh, allow him to play They'll suit his skill set a little bit better. Uh, so I'll be interested to see how how he fits in. You know, they made a little bit of a switch after spring. I talked about this uh, when we were talking about linebackers earlier. Kosai Eldridge, they moved behind Dimitri Moore at the will spot. And, you know, Kosai was the backup star to Marquise Waters uh, during the spring. And they weren't exactly sure what – didn't weren't exactly sure they'd like to look there. So they moved Kosai back up to the linebacker and – Keon Blankenbaker come in here and they're going to put a lot of uh, expectation on him, which he should be able to handle because you're talking about guys started 27 games at, uh, at uh, Wyoming. Uh, you know, some of the other things I look for, you know, some of the look who impresses you as a newcomer. I mean, Joe McGuire and those guys have been super fired up about Joseph Adetere. Yep. You know, Richard, or pardon me, true freshman signee from Mansfield Summit. You know, he's 280 pounds. Uh, I think when they signed him, he's listed like 250. Uh, they say he's 280. Um, and, uh, you know, that, that defensive line group, that defensive line room's 
uh, you know, it looks like it, they got kind of a five-man pool of guys, a defensive tackle with Hutchings and Bradford as the first-team guys, and Phil Bleedy as the first guy in. You know, they're kind of the top three. And then Vidal Scott, the newcomer from Arkansas uh, State, is uh, in that pool. And, and Miles Cole, the newcomer from uh, – from, uh, Louisiana Monroe, they're double training him at both the field side defensive end and the defensive tackle. Um, and then, uh, you know, the, I'll be interested to see the inside receivers. You got everybody, everybody knows Miles Price, but, you know, you also have in that group, Joey said, you know, kind of the five guys in that pool of inside receivers is Price, Xavier White, Nehemiah Martinez, Drew Hoka, and Tyler King. And the you know, guy didn't get talked about a whole lot uh, in the spring was Drew Hoka, but he's he says he's one of the five you know, guys in the main pool of inside receivers and also could get a look as a punt returner as well. Well, that's Don Williams. You can obviously follow him at AJ underscore Don Williams. Follow all the Texas Tech football coverage that we will have on LubbockOnline.com. And then, of course, you can obviously check it all out in the newspaper each and every day, including the E-Edition on Saturdays. Appreciate everyone taking a listen Starting a Twitter space, uh, appreciate the patience as Don and I kind of figured out technology, but I think this turned out to be pretty good. Like I said, we're going to try and do these things every Wednesday once the football season starts. We may do one next Wednesday just to kind of recap uh, what we've seen at least the first couple days at Texas Tech football practice and maybe even just have a, uh, a theme of what we're going to talk about. Obviously, today was just a little bit of Texas Tech football. I talked a little bit about the quarterbacks, some NIL, and some other things, but We do appreciate y'all listening. Once again, I'm Carlos Silva, the sports editor for the Lubbock Avalanche Journal. For Don Williams, uh, Sam Kahn, and uh, Sam Mueller, who asked a couple questions, we appreciate y'all listening, and we'll talk to you soon.